this is a class a with jay and jay where we talk about the risque and something different every day So I'll start off with an intro. So that means we have a guest um, in what most assuredly will be our longest day class, episode, day class A episode to date. We are joined by a good friend of the pod who, for the purposes of this podcast, we will be introducing as Charlie Roy um, to discuss <laughs> one of HBO's many hit series, this one being Succession. Welcome, Charlie. Hello, everyone. Woo. It's great to Welcome be here. Back. Thank you. <laughs> We're glad to have you here. Um, I wanted to start off the show with just a fun, fun fact about the show. You know, it's, is it a funny show? Yeah, but this is a truly <laughs> funny fact. Um, Brian Cox, if you don't know, the actor that plays Logan Roy, um, also does the voiceover for McDonald's commercials. I just wanted to start this off with that because I was truly shocked at that. That's him. The hottest, juiciest quarter pounder yet. It's perfect. Made perfecter. And once you hear it, you're like, fuck, how did I not make the connection? Oh, my God. Wild. Truly, um, I am loving it, though. I am loving it. You know what? We love it. His voice is soothing. So, actually, they chose a great um, person for that. They did. <sighs> We're starting off with a game. Um, it's... A multiple choice game it's a pick a sign game basically Ooh. what i did was i did some internet research if you will and i kind of collected you know they love to do articles like based on your zodiac sign which character are you so <laughs> i took the data from that um <laughs> and i wrote down the most common ones for each character and i figured we'd go through the list for each character and see where we land if we agree Maybe we don't agree at all. Um, and then I put some asterisks next to ones that was like 90% of outlets said the same thing. It was, you know, they mm. differed on some characters, but some characters, most people agreed on it. So mm. I'll save that until after our deliberation and I will share if that character has won that one per se. Okay. All okay. right. We're starting off with Kendall. Um, the signs that Kendall got across the board were Aries, Capricorn, and Scorpio. Where do you all mm. land on Kindle? And Charlie, of course, you're first. Um, well, I would go with D, none of the above, because that is, I didn't think he was any of those. Okay. We're talking about like the character or like the actor and like the actual actor. Oh, the character. Oh, okay, okay. No worries. Okay, well, see, in, in my mind, Kendall is a very Piscean character. Okay. He's, uh, he's got uh, issues with addiction. Fired. He has a messiah complex. He's always failing, but somehow failing upwards at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's a lot like the uh, Pisces men that I've known in my life. 
Oh, so. wow. Okay. You're speaking from personal experience. Okay. Okay. I am always, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, that's a hard one. <clears throat> I, I don't mind the Pisces take, though. I definitely don't think it's Capricorn. Um, I would think the execution would be just a tad better if you were a Capricorn. <sighs> For the sake of the choices, I'll say Aries. Okay. I'll go with that. A big old baby. Big old baby, determined to be independent, wants to be on the forefront. Um, you know, he'll start something, but he just can't really finish it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounded really shady, but it's, uh... it's deserved. <laughs> it's fair. The winner across the board was Scorpio. Oh, brother. Of course. Wow. Of course. People see drugs and they're like, oh, Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> and they shoot him in kind of like dark scenes. So like Scorpio. They yeah. do. Yeah, I can see that. I guess. Eh. That feels very uh, Western astrology to me. Right. If you catch it feels like my a cop-out. Yeah, it feels like the Hallmark version of, of astrology where it's like real shallow. Exactly. But okay. Okay. So next sure. we go to Logan Roy. His okay. options are Capricorn, Leo, and Aries. Well, he has two in common with Kendall to note. But yeah, those are the three options. Hmm. Or you want me to go first? Yes, of course. Okay, well, of the options, I'm going to go with Leo. It feels okay. kind of obvious, you know. The family name is Roy, Royal, you know, all that. Uh, he's temperamental, he's selfish, he tends to trample over his own young. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely... <laughs> that is a truly Leo trait. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, unfortunately, but it is what it is. He's also very flamboyant in terms of, like, how he talks to people, even how he tells people to fuck off. Like, mm-hmm. there's no sort of... Uh, diplomacy (laughs) (laughs) he has no chill no chill there's always some theatrics at play when it comes to him for sure right the only reason why I kind of felt like "Mm," I can feel a little of the Capricorn because I'm thinking of like the Saturn like mythology that he ate his children and that Mm -hmm. literally is what Logan does on a daily basis in these (laughs) on the show um but overall, I would agree with Leah. Okay. None of them won. I didn't make a note. It was pretty scattered across the board with those three answers. But yeah, I'm cool with Leo too. Okay. <laughs> for Connor, we have... For everyone else, we have two options. Um, for Connor, we have Aquarius and Pisces. Oh, okay. Mm, well, I mean... <laughs> I, I wouldn't have guessed either one of those. Uh, to me, Connor's like a like a Sagittarius. Okay. Like he, he has these grand schemes, like you know, running for president or whatever, but he has no idea how to execute them. Yes. Um, he's the sibling who is always off somewhere else, which is why he's not a part of the the inner circle as far as like the the business and everything goes. Um 
Yeah, and and he's kind of a surrogate father figure for his uh, younger siblings, as like flighty and unreliable as he is. Uh, you know, in season <laughs> Him three, as a father figure just cracked me up. <laughs> I never thought of him as that. He he has that warm, like good stepfather energy to him, as much of a fuck up as he is. You know, even Roman had to use um, an experience with Connor uh, as an experience with his father for that interview that he did yes. in season three because he couldn't think of anything. He couldn't think of any good memory he had with his father. So, yeah. You see, I want to say he's a Libra. Okay. Huh. Okay. Um, because I do feel like he tries to be a little bit more diplomatic. Um, but for him, like the diplomacy is, I'm just going to not involve myself. I'm going to let them fight over. He does, he says a lot, especially I think it was season two. It's like, whatever you guys decide, that's fine. Um, he's Great. trying to go over and do his own thing. He wants to be the politician route, which a lot of Libras end up getting into that kind of politician law thing because they have that sort of charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something to be said about somebody who, well, the stereotype that they don't have personality. But what they do, I feel like is, <laughs> what they do well, I'll, I'll give them, is that they basically empty themselves. And I, t- and I talk about it before on like other episodes about how like good actors are like empty vessels. Like you have to be empty and fill yourself up with the character. And I feel like Libra placements can do that a lot. Empty themselves and fill themselves up with whatever somebody wants to see. So, um, and then he's non-confrontational. We see in season three, he finally starts to like buck up his chest a little bit, but he, yeah. <laughs> and then he, him and his love life storyline. Yeah. I'm feeling Libra vibes personally. He does really want to build that romantic narrative with, uh, what's her Willa. name again? Willa. Willa. Yeah. With Willa. <laughs> and she with just, Willa the she's whore. dragging her feet. <laughs> <laughs> right. She just wants to use him for you know, the taste of luxury that it provides her. And, you know, mm-hmm. he funds her craft. So right. who can deny a lover that does that? He's and her she patron. Gets him something. She supports him. It's just, I understand. Like, I don't want to get married to you, though. I feel like that's a very right. valid <laughs> feeling. Why can't yeah, I don't disagree with her. I just, it's, it's really funny, that dynamic that they have. It is. He's always trying to up the ante on their relationship, too. Like, just when she settles into, like, okay, this is our arrangement. He's like, how about we get married? How about I pay you this every month? How about you be around me? Da, da, da. You want to come here? You want to go there? She didn't sign up for all that. She wanted to do her right. own thing, but yeah, he loves her. So, And the only reason why I also didn't say Sag is because I think Sag's tend to have a little bit better luck than I think Connor has. Like, Sag's, I feel like it's the same thing like with Pisces, that Jupiter influence. They kind of, like, fuck they fuck up, but like yeah. an upward trend, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and Sag is I've noticed they get a lot away with a lot of shit. There's like this Sag at my job and like <laughs> she's terrible, but like she gets away <laughs> with a lot of shit. So it's very intriguing. Um, there was an Pisces one for Connor. Okay. I like okay. your Libra talk through, Jay. You won me okay. over. So I'm, I'm on your side on that. um then there's shiv and shiv's options were sag and leo 
Mm, I don't like those for her. I yeah, I was like, I'm going to like either of those. <laughs> well, if so I were going to choose between those two, I would go with Sag. Because she has that... Um, Sagittarius women tend to be a lot like their fathers. And I see mm-hmm. a lot of Logan mm-hmm. and Shiv. Mm-hmm. As much as she might want to fight it. You know, it's she. she's definitely his daughter. Definitely. I would say of all his kids... I believe the most like him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. But I mean, if I were going off book, I've always thought of her as a Libra because Libra women love a trophy husband. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what she's got. I was going to say Virgo. I can see that. Yeah. Especially if we're going to say that um, Logan Roy is a a Leo. Leos and Virgos have Mm -hmm. a very interesting uh, relationship, I've noticed. Um, But I was going to say Virgo just because of the weird, (laughs) the weird sexual relationship between her and her husband. Like there's something Mm -hmm. (laughs) not quite right about that. Um, it's her being business minded, not really focused on the home front. Not to say that Virgos are, but you know what I mean. Um, and she doesn't really have that many outbursts, and she's not really that upward emotional. I feel like that's why season three, not to get ahead, but like the ending was so good because we never really see Shay like lose her shit like that. I mean, not that it was that much of her losing her shit, but like you know what I mean. Yeah. So. But I'm cool with either. Okay. Well, I would naturally was going to say Capricorn. Again, kind of for similar reasons. The kinkiness, Mm. like the restraint. This just seems like there's something bubbling beneath the underbelly that often I find with Capricorns. It's just like rage they have within. And she has Mm -hmm. that rage to me. (laughs) Um, So if we're choosing between the two, I'll go Virgo because I think like earth sign like i feel that for her i might say since either earth sign or cardinal sign basically is what we just yeah. showed okay um greg cousin greg we have <laughs> a tourist and a cancer hmm okay i i like those i would go with taurus okay um taurus men tend to just pull shit into their gravitational like rotation or whatever you know what I mean they're very magnetic even if they're even if they're not that smart um especially if they're not that proactive Mm -hmm. things just come to them because people are naturally drawn to them and Mm -hmm. I I think I think Greg has that kind of power Mm -hmm. I like that yeah I agree okay so Greg we're going Taurus Taurus yeah yeah. No winner for him either. Next we get into <laughs> Roman and we have Gemini and we have Sag. That's crazy. Those are two choices. Yeah, I would well, no surprise here. I wouldn't have thought of him as either one. <laughs> you if like I classic to- like none of the above. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've never been that great at multiple choice, because I overthink things, and yeah. But um, of those two options, I would say Gemini. He's got that perverted schoolboy thing about him that Gemini men often have. 
And the chaos, yeah. of course, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> Nothing in his life goes right, and yet here he is. Right. Um, yeah, even, I mean, I personally feel like I was thinking Gemini before, like when I was thinking of characters ahead of time. Um, he talks too fucking much. <laughs> and sometimes it's charismatic, you like it, sometimes you don't. Um, he has like this, yeah, the perverted schoolboy thing is definitely um, a good description for it. <laughs> he also um, likes to do that shy act, but then also be like, you know, it's a joke. It's like all fun and game. Everything's like a fun and game. It's a joke, right? He's childish in that like boy, like boyish way, like you refer mm-hmm. to, like all of that. I even think it's interesting because with him getting caught with Jerry, all of it's been over a phone. Like he's been harassing her through the phone. He got caught uh, via the yeah. phone harassment. I just think of like Gemini in terms of communication mm-hmm. um, and how they're supposed to. And their whole to... thing is just verbal, really. Exactly. Yeah. So, I like, I don't mind Gemini. And this is the first one where it's a, uh, we're all in agreement. The internet 90% says Gemini. No, well, there we go. We're all aligned. <laughs> okay. On one character. I think that'll be the only one. Yeah, Next probably. Tom. Tom, Tom okay. got Cancer and Libra. Ooh, all right. Mm-hmm. I really My like God. those. I'm going to be upfront. I like both. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally already had Tom pegged as a Cancer. Yeah. Um, one of you described Tom as a succubus. On the episode, yeah, and and I agree because there is something very uh, traditionally or stereotypically like female about Tom. Tom is like a vessel that holds all these mm-hmm. secrets and 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 things like that, and oftentimes it feels like the dam is gonna break, you know? Mm. Yeah, Tom is like a like a. Well, this is going to sound like kind of crass or whatever, but Tom is like a glorified receptacle. Everybody puts what they want into him and he just, he holds it until either he can't hold it anymore or uh, he can use something to his advantage as we saw in the season three finale. Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Jay, where are you at? Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's definitely a cancer to me. And then I just think in terms of like what our guesses were between um, Greg and Siobhan and either sign that we, well, we said Greg was what, a Taurus? And then we said Siobhan is either Virgo or Libra. Yeah. That word? Yeah. And I feel like I just think of like the interplay between cancers and Tauruses and cancers and Virgos and Libras. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, he's, him and Greg have that. Oh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, him and Greg have that uh, attraction between them. And, like, you can take that in any <laughs> it's number It's so sexually ways. charged. I cannot it's, take Exactly, it. yeah. There's such a, such a charge and an energy between the two of them. And, yeah. um, you know, I've read in sexual astrology and everything that cancer men love a Taurus man. 
Mm. Um, so it's just kind of written in the stars if we're talking about <laughs> wow. the Zodiac that the two of them would be a pair, you know. Um, right. A Taurus is like a like an Adonis to a Cancer, kind of. Mm-hmm. Even okay. if, you know, the Taurus isn't <laughs> anything like that. And I don't think... Big, tall, lanky Greg, the Adonis. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then I just think of him being a Cancer and wanting to have this kind of emotional validation from these two people. And he's choosing people who are not outwardly validating like that. You know what I mean? Like in the way that he wants, but it's like, why is he gravitating toward these two people of all people on the show? It's very interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing won for him, but yeah, I'm all in on cancer. I'd like I said, I liked both. So I'm all in on cancer. Um yes, Jerry, we have Taurus and Virgo. Ooh, Virgo. Big time Virgo. Okay. Especially if we're uh going with um Mm-hmm. Roman being a Gemini. Mm-hmm. I see them having that Mercury connection. Okay, I'm into that. And, you know, Jerry is a, a sexy older woman, really, once you get past the uh, the up view <laughs> and the glasses. Like, she's a, she's a good-looking older woman. Um, and there's something vivacious about her underneath the lawyerly uh, corporate facade. I was when I was rewatching yesterday. I was thinking to myself, her hair is always done perfectly. I understand they do hair and makeup every day, but the note of like her character having like hair laid, and I had never paid attention to that. We're like, we're on the mm. other hand, like Shiv's hair will look a fucking mess. <laughs> yes, like stylish. This whole messy. season three, I'm like, was hair and makeup not around for Shiv? Because her hair. <laughs> looked like she had like rolled it up you know like and like you know like wrapped it up and then like just took it down the pin marks are still on there just like it's still like kind of waving some areas straightened it was just bothering me weird yeah it, yeah it is a step down from her season two hair they really yeah. had it right mm. then oh yes they mm. bumped the ends and straightened the fuck out of that shit every day every day <laughs> the ruta to the tuta oh her hair yep. was done um, I think it's funny that we say that she's a Virgo and then you mention her hair because that makes me feel like sidereal Libra, um, Libra, Leo vibes in terms of like yeah. her hair always being on point. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Virgo. <laughs> you go Virgo. Okay. I'm cool with Virgo too. The internet says Taurus. And the last mm. one. Mm. Marsha, Marcia, depends on who's talking about her. They call her both. I'll call her Marsha for all intents. Um, yeah, they call have, her Marsha. We have Cancer and we have Scorpio. Ooh, Scorpio. Hands down. Okay. Yeah. She, she's a dark horse for sure. Yeah. yeah. Her features are dark and not in just like Trendy. in a mysterious, in just in like a, I don't know what, in a Scorpionic way. Well, there we go. Yeah, she looks like uh, Ilaria Baldwin if Ilaria Baldwin were smart. <laughs> you know and actually Spanish right there we go the heritage has to be there yeah you know I just think you have to be some sort of emotionally aware intense to be with somebody like Logan I also think of like them mentioning her past and like who she was in a relationship with wasn't he some sort of like 
they, well, they couldn't find her past, but she was with some sort of abusive man or a drug dealer or something like that. Just very shifty past that we don't know much about. Very Scorpio. <laughs> also, sure. the way she'll pull people to the side and say little things to mm. let them know yeah, she that... knows what the fuck is going on, but then she'll also not say it outright. Exactly. Right, because she doesn't have to. Yeah, they know <laughs> what she it. means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Logan is afraid of her, too. Oh, for sure. He'd never admit it, but he wouldn't fuck with her. But he likes that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Logan respects a woman who he has to be a little bit afraid of. That's why it works for them. Even the way she slid out of the show, Loki, like how we mm-hmm. didn't see her oh, in season three, but it's like gee. not a plot point at all. Right. I was like, wait, what the? Did I miss it? Because it's very possible with these hour plus long episodes. I'm like, did I miss? <laughs> like, did she die on the show or something? Like, where the fuck is she? <laughs> just, no, she's just barely there. But her and gone. Logan are still married. <laughs> like, I don't. She had know a little cameo at, toward the end, but I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's the second one. We're all in agreement. The internet also vote, voted Scorpio on her. Perfect. Um, so here's kind of just like the layout I have. I have some little like prompts and then I have some like pointers from each season that we can kind of cover. We'll see if I have to, you know, just stop it because we're going on too long. That's the thing. There's so much to talk about. So we'll see how much we talk about. If it goes too long, I'll just say, okay. Got it. So, I mean, naturally to me, like, I think we should start off ranking the kids, um, Connor included, of course, just so we can all know where each other are at. I feel like that gives a lot of perspective. Okay. Of course, Charlie, you're the star. You're first. (laughs) Me? (laughs) Um, So are we starting off uh, from the top or the bottom? From the top. I want your favorite at the top, your least favorite at the bottom. Okay, my favorite is definitely Shiv. Okay. um, Because she is the most competent out of all the kids. Um, On paper, she is the the right person to succeed Logan. Um, I like how um, you don't see everything that's going on with the character even when um, she's who the camera is following, you know, even when they're telling her story, she's not uh, overly forthcoming. Everything's not written on her face. And yet, you know, there's something going on there. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, You want me to go ahead with my number two? Or are we going to switch off? Number one's all around. Who's your number one, Jeff? This is really tough, actually. Um, Because they all suck to me, but... (laughs) They do all suck. They're all terrible I mean, so is the show, yeah. Like, they do all suck. Like, if I was Logan, I, too, would be thinking about having other children because of, like, the set that I have. (laughs) I mean, fuck it. I guess I'll I'll go Kendall. No. Yeah. Um, What I don't like about Kendall... I guess let me start off that way. Uh, what I talked about him is just the whole like a little bit of like the Messiah complex, um, a little bit of that baby babiness in him. But I do feel like he's the only one that truly is willing and can step up to Logan. No one else is doing that. No one else. I mean, 
fucking what's his name roman couldn't even like look the guy in the eye so it's just like yeah you know if anything needs to be if the old man as they call him needs to be shaken up kendall's gonna do it and he does it pretty well does he again is he able to finish when he starts not really but he does definitely throw logan for a loop at least in the beginning so i'll give it to him for that my number one is shiv much like you said charlie i mean she is the smartest one and i think i even like that she didn't for so long play into the business of it she was kind of like connor mm-hmm. but obviously not as aloof as connor she, she's the one who had her own shit going on she had her own thing going on she was actually in the world and like passionate about it not just doing it just to spite her father or anything like that it was mm-hmm. never about him i feel like a lot of the kids their their motives i mean mainly kendall their motives are about him like a, a lot of the time it seemed like she was just living her own life and yeah i mean yeah then she got caught up and sure they're bad parts to her but i also like the way she abuses her husband and i don't know if that's cool to say, <laughs> but i find it funny because i find her husband annoying so um that it's a parlay to... it's a game so yeah it's okay to say okay it. cool <laughs> he, um, he knows where he is <laughs> yeah, yeah she... what would you say jay she can't like take it out on her dad she takes it out on tom yeah basically and i find that funny it's so annoying <laughs> Is a, like when Logan like screamed at her like stop buzzing in my fucking ear I was like yo like yeah stop buzzing in his fucking ear you're yeah. looking you know at some point it's like we've got to grow up and just accept people for who they are especially our parents I'm like you're not gonna get praise from him unless <laughs> he wants something unless he directly wants you to do something in that moment they're just you're just not gonna get it and just go to therapy about it and keep it fucking pushing like I the whole like okay but we got to, like she was just oh my god i would have screamed too <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's number one what's your number two my number two um somewhat reluctantly is kendall <laughs> because somewhat if- reluctantly <laughs> <laughs> not somewhat totally reluctantly but i was being nice <laughs> I really, I dislike Kendall as a character. I dislike people like him, but you're totally correct when you say he's the only one who goes head to head with their father. And I have to respect that. Even if he can't stick the landing, he tries, you know? When he's not high or getting someone else killed, he he does, <laughs> you know, make some moves. And there it is. And there well, it I- is, the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> As Roman said, technically he killed him, but like whatever, it's fine. <laughs> when he's not committing manslaughter by uh, <laughs> vehicular means. Yes, uh, manslaughter yeah. is the operative word here. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't mean to do it, but he did it. Yeah. But yeah, he would he would be my number two. Okay. But at least he dove back in him, question mark. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> that little superficial dive in he did. He, was more of just like a little exercise like he wasn't he, he doing struck shit. his toe in <laughs> he wasn't doing his shit his right. eyes weren't even open if that just happened to you forget that you're also high as fuck as it's happening but if that happened to you you're in the fucking black darkness you're in water i mean what i'm not a deep sea diver i'm not i'm not a professional like obviously like 
my rescue effort is not going to be great. Yeah, but I mean, I'm either not going in or I'm going to go in and try to pull. Yeah, that like, out, you know, <laughs> you know where he's at. He's in the car. Like, you can assume that. Right. And, and then for you not even to go as deep as the car as to simply dive a little bit and go, you know what? Let me just go back to the surface. That's fucking Kendall, though. Yeah. Hey. It's true. Uh, anyway, you know, I had to defend my number one for a little bit because <laughs> 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 the pickings are slim. So I guess if I'm going to go number two, it would be shit. Um, because of all the things that you have both mentioned, she's only number two just because I find her a trifle more annoying than I do Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um. And we're only talking in right answers here. Duh, my number two is Kendall. Who the fuck else would it be? I mean, <laughs> I I like Kendall. He reminds me of, again, it always comes back to the Sopranos. He reminds me of Chrissy, of course. No. So I have an affinity to him because of that. But also, he is annoying. And he, and I get mad at him because, of course, he has potential, but he gets in his own way. So that's always right. an annoying character. I feel like what's more annoying is that he starts it but doesn't, but can't finish it, can't execute yeah. it. And I don't know if that's because up. a lack of his skill, um, uh, uh, um, a great amount of Logan's skill, a combination of both. Like, I don't know, but it's very something always gets in the fucking way. He's he knows yeah. he's the only one. If anyone's gonna overthrow this guy, it's gotta be him. And every time he has it in his hands, he loses it. It's so annoying to watch. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I like him. I do, of course. Um, okay, number three. Well, my number three is Connor. Um, <laughs> and that is purely because I hate Roman even more than I hate Kendall. So Connor benefits from that greatly. Um, I do think that as uh, superficial and spoiled as he is, though, he does have a good heart, relatively speaking, compared to everybody else, all the other main characters on the show and all the siblings. Like I said, he's got that warm stepfatherly thing going on. Um, and I want to know more about him because we really don't know shit about him other than that he's the actual firstborn son. Um, and that he has delusions of grandeur. So I, I hope we get to know more about him in season four. Um, but yeah, for now, he's my number three. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll just go with my first thought. I, I was gonna say Roman, so here we are. Roman's number three for me. But again, piggins are slim, piggins are slim. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> We were already from the top had slim pickings, so now we're at three <laughs> or four. Yeah, shit is bleak, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and it could just be a product of the fact that, like like you were saying, like, we just haven't seen Connor that much. Um, And, like, whenever we do see him, he's kind of just in the, the background to me. He's not really looking for, like, Tom Wom's game is even, like, more ahead in the game than Connor is to me. So. Yeah. Um, but I do respect that he has been, you know, following his own agenda toward the side with this whole presidential thing. Um, but yeah, I'm still going to say Roman because Roman's funny. <laughs> and Roman is the heartthrob of the show. I guess that has to be said. He's the one who, uh, 
everybody gets all moist over. So that's <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. That is really crazy. That was something I didn't know until you just Five said foot. it. Doesn't really ring a bell for me personally, but um okay. No idea. Wow, that's yeah. just so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> looks like Macaulay Culkin and yeah like Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Culkin jeans <laughs> yeah like there's some siblings like the Baldwin effect where they all look a certain way and that's the McCulkin effect they all look the same I guess <laughs> I would love to see if there's more of them because those two are twins gee I mean duh my number three is Connor I also hate Roman like with a passion um so it has to be Connor for me. And I think Connor provides, you know, some laughs here or there because he is a joke. Like, it's like <laughs> his character itself is a joke. So the jokes write itself with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a walking punchline. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything about him is so bizarre. Um, and he's also like untethered to reality in a lot of ways. So. I find him interesting. And that's your number three? Like, I just can't even. <laughs> yeah, that's how much I don't like Roman. That's what that should key you into. If anything, it, it says less He's about Connor and more about Roman. Tether to reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, yeah, that says less about Connor and more about Roman. But yeah, so we're at, we already talked about our bottoms. I mean, we'll yeah. talk about them more throughout. Um, and then the final, like, prompt that I want to talk about is, like, give a compliment and a critique of the show. If it ends up being one or two, that's fine of each, but I'd love to hear that. Well, my compliment is that it is beautifully written and executed. It's a fantastic show. Um, I think it's the funniest bit of prestige TV that we have so far. You know, out of all the big ones that HBO churns out and Showtime is doing and all that. I think mm-hmm. the the black comedy, to maybe misuse a phrase, um, is is on point. Um, I think the the pathos is on on point with the drama and everything. And um, for me, the episodes go by really fast. I don't even remember how long they are. That's how like wrapped up I get in it when I binge it. Um, so it goes down really easy, but it's not boring. It's not like background stuff. Um, yeah. Um, and your con, right? My con is that, um, (laughs) there are hardly any people of color on the show. Mm. And that's always a double-edged sword for people of color like us, because on the one hand, you want to see people of color represented, but at the same time, white people are not great at writing characters of color. So it's like, I want it, but I don't, but I do and all that. So that is my con. I would be really interested to see what they did with uh, a Black character on Succession. Yeah, I think the only one we have is Sonali character, correct? At this point. Oh, which one? Sonali. Yeah, she's like a... Isn't she like a lawyer or something? You remember she's right? like Shib's friend. Oh, like, right. Yeah, she was on for like two seconds. Yeah, I was going to say it was a cameo at best. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Like, we've gotten that close, but yeah. Hold on, wait, repeat yourself, Jay. 
she's like the only one that's there but yeah cameo she was like a ghost yeah you know (laughs) i thought they were going to lean into her a lot more because she was in the premiere so heavy but Mm -hmm. no luck Um, (laughs) okay so you said a compliment and a critique correct yes ma'am compliment so I don't think the whole like great big family, family drama, who's going to take over is necessarily like a fresh new concept. Like we've seen it before in other shows and, and obviously like in daily life. But what I will say though, is that I like that they're a media family. I think that's a very interesting take. Um, and I like they're going in with the angle that like, if you control the media, you control everything. Cause I think it's true. Like the fact that one mm-hmm. of those run for fucking presidency and quite frankly, he honestly could like my whole family owns a fucking network. They can say whatever they want to say about me. You know what I mean? So, and that can sway obviously any sort of public opinion. So I like the fact that they're a media family. I think that's very posh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then the storylines are great and the writing is great, especially season one. I would like laugh out loud. I'm like, wow, like this is actually some some good television. This is some good writing. Um, and the comedic timing is really good on uh, pretty much all the scenes. My only critique, which is like me, like honestly being like nitpicky, um, the way that the show is shot is a mm. little peculiar to me because it, it it's kind of shot like the office in a way um yeah you know the way they like do like the zoom ins and like the pause it's like i can't really describe it but it's kind of shot like the office and um you know it's fine it works obviously they're on season three go to season four but it's just a little disorienting it's not like shot like house of cards just a little bit more serious it's shot <laughs> like a comedy but it's not a comedy so that kind of throws me off sometimes that's really my like critique my compliment is the score of the show um mm. i'm obsessed with the theme song playing in different iterations throughout the show at different points i find that so fascinating and so cool and i don't know another show that does that um or does it that well really exactly like and you know it's that song as soon as it starts even though it's not the part that plays in the opening credits Mm -hmm. it's like right before leading into it it gives me chills like i cannot give enough credit to the composer like i watched a whole video on vanity fair about it because like that has always always been something that i've paid attention to more than necessary i guess but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the score. Um, and also, though, we, I mean, we all kind of talked about the writing, but, like, there's funny, weird little through lines that they use for, like, just laughs, and they'll just refer to, like, one of my favorites. I mean, season one is my favorite season, but one of my favorites is when Tom swallowed his own load. and like the way that comes back around so many times and then roman starts dating the girl like i just love stuff like that it's like the little details it's funny to reference uh to reference one of your previous episodes he is such a tom that is a very tom (laughs) thing to end up doing 
to swallow yeah. your own load is very Tom. Yeah. I can see Sandoval doing it. A hundred percent. So stuff like that. Uh, and my critique of the show is that sometimes the dialogue can be too dense and too clever for its own good. Where it's like mm. joke, tripping on joke, tripping on joke. You know what I mean? Like there's no time to yeah. really process sometimes. And then it gets into the realm of like, is this realistic dialogue at all? Because like, are people this sharp and this quick? No. Like people are not thinking this dialogue out loud in the moment, the way they deliver it. Sure, it loses its realness there. But I, but that's only, again, like if I have to critique it, it can be a little too smart for itself. I it's think that's, uh, the Sorkin effect for yes, sure. Yeah, very much so. I think that's why it's it's a little bit more believable because they're media family, so they're used to having to you know kind of have speeches ready and have the you know verbal communication has to be on point. So that's why I feel like it's a little like okay the dialogue maybe, but I agree sometimes it's like all right there's Especially no with Roman. For me, yeah. where it tips too far, I'm like, okay, this is not realistic dialogue that this person, even though he's twisted as fuck, would ever say. Like, no way. Or nobody mm-hmm. would just think that quickly all the time. <laughs> yeah, no way. No fucking way. Um, so that is where I land on that. I wanted to also talk about, just a side note, I mean, there was an article in the New Yorker, a piece in the New Yorker about Jeremy Strong, the character who plays Kendall. And I kind of just wanted to talk about some findings in that article. I read it. It was great. Um, it revealed him to be very much so like Kendall. And it kind of mm-hmm. brings up the idea of method acting, which one of the quotes I kind of took from the article was Brian Cox. He was talking about the character. I guess they interviewed you know, the cast. And Brian said that, like, method acting is very American. He said that, like, Mm. that's only something... Let me pull up the exact quote. He said, it's a particularly American disease, I think, this inability to separate yourself off while you're doing your job. And I was like, whoa. Nice. That was, like, that really stuck with me. And then I thought of some method actors. I think we all know, like, Jim Carrey, Dustin Hoffman, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Heath Ledger rang a bell to me, all of them. They're all American. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis is British. I mean, I meant to count that out. There are three of the four of them are American. And I was thinking, like, wow, in the way America considers jobs and how it's, like, a part of us, mm-hmm. that's a really interesting point that he made. Does anyone have any notes on that? Well, I, I want to follow up and say, and Daniel Day-Lewis is the only one of the three that I actually like and whose performances I actually believe. So the point still stands (laughs) (laughs) because he does immerse himself in, in the roles, but he knows when to let it the fuck go. Whereas the other three maybe are not so good at that or were not so good at that. Okay. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. Yeah. I can see that. That's interesting. Um, Also, Hmm. I guess, they talked to Robert Downey Jr. because he also worked with Jeremy along the way. He had a lot of like random little bookings before Succession. So he was around town. People knew him. And also he's friends with a lot of A-listers just like before he was even really famous. 
um, speaking of Heath Ledger, like, um, when he passed away, he moved in with Michelle and just lived in her basement. What? <laughs> yeah, like, l- moved, with, moved in with Michelle Williams, lived in her basement, would have parties over at her house, and he was, like, obviously just some, like, broke, off-Broadway actor. Oh. Like, coming over, like, what the fuck? Yeah, to me, that is so shady. So he's, like, the kind of person I wouldn't trust in real life. It's weird. Um, Yeah. He said there was one time also just to talk about, like, his quote-unquote method acting. He wouldn't even describe it as that. He gave it some other actory word. Um, But Downey was shooting, like, a funeral scene, and Jeremy paced around the set weeping loudly but he wasn't even on the call sheet for that day. He was just there. Oh, God. One of those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly one of those. Actors that pisses me off lesbian. just imagining it. I can't take it. I can't stand people like that. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Of course he is. Of course he is that kind of guy. It all tracks. And they also talked about, um, there was this one quote that also stood out to me about his looks, which was really shocking. Um, Strong, who is now 42, has a hangdog face of someone who wasn't destined for stardom. That's another <laughs> quote from the article of the piece. It's true, though. It's so <laughs> it's true, cruel, but, it's but it true. was also, a wa- the way it was written, the wording, Wow. Hangdog is the perfect term for it because he looks <laughs> like Droopy. It is. <laughs> Something like Basset Hound about it, kind of. Yeah, I was just about to say, definitely Basset Hound. Yes. Him and Kieran Culkin both have dark circles and bags under their eyes, but mm-hmm. Jeremy Strong's bags are so much heavier, it looks like. You know? Hmm. But I just also feel like that means it's good casting because that's Kendall. True. Yeah. I mean, he's playing himself. I guess the <laughs> method worked for him. Shit. And maybe that was Roman because he, they asked him to be somebody else. They didn't ask him to be, I forgot what character. They asked him, they actually asked him to be another character. But when he saw the script and he saw Roman, he was like, no, let me try out for Roman. Roman is a very Colkin character. I mean, to bring that back again, it, it fits. Yeah. Yeah. So originally, Kieran Culkin read for Cousin Greg. That's who they had him oh. read for when he auditioned. And Kendall, he's not guileless enough looking for Greg. It would be uh, so weird if Greg, and I know it's not so simple as tall and short, but to mm-hmm. me, Greg's physicality fits that character so much. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine it being him. Right. Um, but also Jeremy Strong read for Roman first. Mm, no. Yeah, he's not pithy enough for that. <laughs> yeah, he picked it for himself. So like he was like, I want to be Roman when he read the script. And I guess the other way around, it was Kieran read for Greg. And they were like, uh-uh, you don't work for Greg. He was like, I could try this Roman guy. I think I could be good for him. And they didn't really say anything about it. So he sent in tape himself of himself doing like three scenes. Just, just to put it in hmm. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> GGG. Let's see what else is anything else in this article because the article was like it was really crazy. Also, it de- described the show as a bone dry satire mixed with a drama, and I thought that was a great description for what it is. Hmm. Yeah, I can see it. 
Um, and then, right, and I made that note, note about the office, too. Like, I remember the way the camera work was, the way it shifts mm-hmm. into a character, and the way the line de- delivery is. It's very awesome. Yeah, so, like, see everybody's, like, line deliveries, the camera shifting to, like, like, to see everyone's expressions. It's just, like, the way it's shot, it, it's a little bit more like the office to me. But yeah. I still think it's a good show. I'm just saying. It's a little but weird. That plays into the drama. I mean, the bone dry satire of it. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask, who do you think Logan's favorite child is? Finale notwithstanding. Um, because I guess it's set up so that it's shit. But I mean, do you agree? Do you feel like it's somebody else? Like, what are your thoughts? Um, hmm. I think he has the most respect for Shiv. Um, but I think his favorite is actually Kendall. I agree because I don't. I yeah, I don't think any of the other children could do the things that Kendall has tried to do to him and mm-hmm. be allowed to come back. Right. I think if Shiv stabbed him in the back the way that Kendall has, she would be excommunicated. Yeah. All right, because I, I agree completely. Um, you know, like they have like those little like, you know, director's cuts moments on some of the episodes. Um, and the, the character that plays, well, I can't, what's his name? Brian Cox, right? Yeah. Um, he was saying, he was like, yeah, like, you know, Shiv's his favorite, da, da, da. And I was like, okay, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Shiv is his most capable child. And I think he likes that and respects that. But there's, I definitely feel like he has a soft spot for Kendall, for sure. Yeah, and Kendall's not even, you know, the first son. That's Connor. And yeah, right. you know. <laughs> He's the middle child, really. So He is, yeah. Um, that's interesting. I just think about the scene where, um, that helicopter scene when they both pulled up. And there's two helicopters for each of them to get onto. And then Logan calls him Judas. He's like, no, that helicopter's for Judas. I'll go into this one. And just, you know, being ornery and just making it difficult because why did you choose the helicopter on the opposite side? But whatever. Um, and I'm like, he would never just blatantly call another child Judas and like just keep it pushing about it. Right. Oh, so, yeah. And like we were talking about earlier, he respects Kendall because he would... L- think that if he were in the scenario of being one of the kids that has to succeed he would be the one trying to overthrow versus what every every other role everyone else is playing I think he mm-hmm. likes, I mean he of course would do it successfully or at least he thinks he would but mm-hmm. he would want to be Ken- the Kindle at least in terms of who's their tactics mm-hmm um, I think that's a great transition into the timeline kind of of the seasons. I kind of think of the seasons, and I don't know if they've done this on purpose. Perhaps they have. Of course they have. Um, each season, there's a child that it's their successor season where they're the one that seems to be the most in the running, and it just seems to clearly be them. And then, of course, over the course of the season, there are reasons it's revealed it cannot be them. Uh-huh. So it's kind of yeah. like a cycle. I wonder where they'll go season four because the only one left is Connor. And I don't, I mean, are we going to get a season four where it's Connor and he's running for president? I doubt it, but we'll see. 
Um, I mean, we might. He wasn't involved in that last finale part. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I think they intend on bringing that Menken character back. Um, and if the Roys are going to be pushing them with their uh, news apparatus, it would be really interesting to see him have to run against Connor. So it, it could happen. Oh, the Connor guy that Shiv worked for in season one? No, the alt-right guy um, that they ended up backing oh, okay, at that yes. okay. conservative whatever the fuck it was that cloak and dagger event that they had when they decided who was president i love when they just kept saying like we're deciding who's president yeah because i mean inevitably they're gonna beat the democrat right Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you gotta admire the confidence of these people yeah it's funny (laughs) um so season one is kendall season kendall seems to be we're kind of introduced into the show with him being ceo when his dad is down Mm-hmm. they're all kind of communicating through him when it's the crisis that's the person they all kind of came to as the point person so that's the person we were introduced to and we were also I mean again we can't not say it we were introduced to a sober Kindle, so it really seemed within the realm that it would be him mm-hmm. right yeah um I think I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The best stretch of the show, to me, season one, episode seven through the finale 10. I it, Usually season ones are a wash for me in every show. Mm-hmm. But this show made a real impact on me with the end of the season one. I was like, okay, like, what the fuck? Um, so kind of right before that, it was when Kendall tried to overthrow his dad for the first time. And he made that mistake of taking the chopper over to Staten Island to meet with a shareholder, one individual shareholder, and then he missed the meeting. And I feel like that was kind of the point in which things started to spiral out for Kendall. The shitty attempt, and then his dad fires him, obviously. Um, He decides to sue his dad because he shouldn't have been there, nor should he have gotten fired, all of that. Where were you on Kendall in season one, like, at that point? Before the relapse, like, did you think Kendall was going to make a good successor? I personally was bored with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I don't like the darker aspects of uh, Kendall, like, on a personal level, I do think that they made him more interesting Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stretch that you were talking about from episode seven of season one, uh, where you could see him breaking down and starting to descend, made me more attracted to the character. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think, Jay? Um, say that again. I'm sorry. Like, what did you think of Kendall before the relapse? Like, just the Kendall season one episodes one through six where he was you know trying to overthrow his dad or just hold on before bceo da, da, da. Uh, i don't know i don't know if i really had an opinion i felt like he was a little hmm, like milk toast like i don't um <laughs> i felt like yeah i just didn't believe in him like i didn't believe he could do it that he should do it even 
Um, I didn't think it was going to evolve into what it has now, but I definitely like sober Kendall's temperament way better than high Kendall. That's for sure. <laughs> um, high Kendall is just like a tool. Mostly. I don't think he's doing things for the right reasons. I feel like sober Kendall did have like a genuine interest in protecting you know, his family legacy and also, you know, the company as well. But now I don't feel like his, his um, I guess his feelings are true. I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, I really like you calling him a tool because that is <laughs> like really sums him up when he is relapsing or going through, you know, the throes of it. He is such a fucking douche when he is in the midst of uh, his addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is, but he gets out of hand very quickly, and like he can't get enough of himself. Also, like he's obsessed with himself when he is um, high, especially in the third season. It was like kind yeah. of hard to watch. I mean, we're not even mm-hmm. there, but the way he was obsessed with himself and his image of himself, and just like everything about himself. Fucking was, hated him. <laughs> I hated him so horrible. much. Was he was such a cornball. Mm. He is a cornball. He's a total cornball. <laughs> um, he got high and thought he was Drake. Yeah. And Drake already had a cornball. <laughs> right. He got high and thought he was another cornball. So, I mean. <laughs> um, I like, so like I said, season one, episode seven, in that, you know, Kendall relapses. That's when they take that fake trip out to Connor's house, which also was great because we got to change set pieces. It was nice to see where Connor lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kendall, when he falls off the wagon, he, his first drink, I just wanted to make a note, was a double Smirnoff on the rocks, which I think is a re- really telling of, like, a horrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally. that's an insane yeah. drink. <laughs> a double smirk off hmm. and then he did mess within the hour I'm like yeah that's where that goes <laughs> exactly it would reason to follow that's what all those like anti-drug people think is going to happen like your kid's going to have a wine cooler and then they're going to go straight to mess <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> like that's not how it works um yeah and I also like the parallel. I mean, it comes into play later in the series too, but at this point, Logan puts out those scathing articles about Kendall being a junkie before he even relapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, not it being the inciting incident for as to why he relapses, but he does have this like this conversation with Rava where she already assumes he did because why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. And he's kind of just has one of those moments where like, fuck it, if they think I have, why not? Yep. Well, Logan put out those stories because he he knew it was going to happen. You know, yeah. he knows his son. He wanted it to happen. He was wishing bad on him. In in a kind of, I mean, we're not talking about housewives at all, but in a kind of Kyle Kim way, like he kind of was saying <laughs> it because he wasn't opposed to it happening. He kind of mm-hmm. wanted it to happen. 
I'm so on the opposite side of that. I know a lot of people believe that about Kyle and Kim. I don't personally, but (laughs) I, I, I see, I see what you're saying. I mean, Kendall, I mean, Logan obviously is a way more insidious with it, but I believe that Kyle, it's not that she wanted Kim to relapse, but when Kim did relapse, she liked being the savior role. She liked, uh, she liked him. And she liked the uh-huh. way people would be like, oh, poor Kyle, she has to deal with Kim. She liked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, because Kim is a lot. She wanted people to know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I do think that she relished uh, the world getting to see the real Kim, you know? <laughs> Like, Sick. this is a shit I have to deal with, and now you all have to deal with it, too. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, so Kendall, again, he tries math. He's... Roman picks him up, which I thought was a real turn of events. Um, and Shiv has her first open relationship, at least to our knowledge, encounter with this whole, this political dude, this political consultant from the first season. Uh, guys... Nate, right? Yes, Nate. What did you? And think it would be Nate? a Nate. That's one of those names. <laughs> was anyone a fan of Nate? No. Okay. I wasn't not not a fan. I feel like I was neutral on him. Okay. Um, his dynamic with Shiv was interesting. I liked that Shiv wasn't like a cold fish. I feel like maybe another critique, if I have to say, for the show. The women just seem very cold. Um, because like Marsha's not like that, Shiv's not like that, even Sonali's and Phil Cameo character isn't like that. So it's just like uh, it's like these women have to be like these hardcore like go-getters and like are just not. Um, and Jerry's not like that either. Um, but not interested in like relationships, so to speak. And then like we see Shiv with her husband, but then she like hates him so it's like all right <laughs> um the only instance we saw her with somebody that she just generally seemed to have some sort of like connection to was Nate so I enjoyed seeing that aspect of it I guess right and they were exes they they dated before so you mm-hmm. know it, those old feelings are powerful they can bring things out of you but I agree all the women are kind of written <laughs> like they're cut off from their libido you know yeah mm-hmm. like it's something they have they have to hide exactly and i like that he was kendall's friend because i feel like it's always in the roman jerry scenario it's always someone within the world that's why again connor's mm-hmm. so interesting because he went and got a woman from where like and they all and they never him. let him forget it yeah exactly yeah. there's always a point of like who what where why and like Tom is a who, what, when, where, why, but he works for the company and he's so involved in their family and obviously obsessed with it that it's like, it's not as much a factor. He's useful. Yeah. Yeah. In um, a way, Tom is kind of that bitch if we're talking about all the, the partners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Ooh. he's the one the most inside. Which comes at a cost, of course, but yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, um, you know, most of season three, he was weighing going to prison. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> you're right about the cost. Serving federal time. <laughs> yeah, they were not fucking around with, they were willing to throw him out so easily. He was like right. a non-factor to it all. Um, 
the only person who cared about Tom going to jail, I mean, prison was Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why he felt the need to mention it every single time. He's like, because no one now. seems, <laughs> yeah, because no one seems to care and no one seems to, like, you know, recognize that this is what's at stake here, that I'm at stake. That didn't yeah, that no one was going to pull him off the altar. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. So here's the cross. Here are your nails. You know, crucify yourself. Like, yeah, that's like what we're expecting you to do. You just shut up and you take yeah. it. Um, but you know, being the passive aggressive cancer that we've deemed him to be, like he just <laughs> couldn't <laughs> sit there. Quietly. He's the only partner that gets to be like a three dimensional person, though. You know, none of the wives get to be. None. None of the girlfriends get to be. But we see a lot of who Tom is on the show. He even gets to be, you know kind of sexual if you know you want to go in that direction with him and greg i mm. i think like we said earlier there's a there's a ton of sexual tension there but i don't feel like it's on greg's part i, I, like I, I think tom. greg i i actually think greg is pleased with the attention even if it's not um even if he's not receptive to how sexual it can be mm. you know he's I, hmm. I think Greg is the kind of person where any attention is good attention because most of the time they just order him around, you know? Right. Okay. So uh, he'll, he'll take a little sexual harassment from Tom. Why not? <laughs> Do you think they ever want to write it in for them to go there? Because from the pilot, I always thought it was coming and it never has come. My friend think thinks that they're going to have a moment in season four. Okay. What that moment will entail, you know, who knows, but I could see like a kiss on the mouth. Okay. You know, even if it stops there. Okay. I was just mm. where are you all yeah. where are you on it? Um, I could definitely see a kiss maybe happening. It'll be on Tom's part, of mm-hmm. course. Um, he'd be the aggressor. Will Greg respond? Will Greg Push it further. Unclear. Quiet as it's kept, he should have got in with Greg like season one before Greg evolved. That Greg yeah. would have definitely done it. This Greg, he has, <laughs> you know, his own shit going on. He's playing the field in his own right. So will Greg be receptive to it? But also, he's now also hungrier than ever to climb to the top. So it it will be interesting to see if it comes to. To blows i hate to even say that <laughs> uh if it comes to what it comes to um i will be interested to see how greg responds to because obviously we can all agree tom will be the aggressor as he is yeah often when it's physical moments between them it's mm-hmm. always tom being physical with greg um just to round out season one we kind of have the introduction or we don't kind of we have the introduction of the scandal in cruises which is the thing that tom is you know on the chopping block for the thing that is the trial in season two and all that (laughs) but just what do you make of the cruises storyline i almost hate to say that i find it funny because uh what allegedly happened is horrifying Um, especially in the wake of Me Too and, you know, everything else that's gone on these last, like, five years. Mm -hmm. But um, it's funny to me almost because it's so expected. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you would expect there to be some um, heavy sexual harassment, misogyny, and um, possible murder going on with something that involves uh, Waco and the Roys, you know? So you can't forget about Mo Lester. Mm-hmm. And his character, which <laughs> is insane. And is written for laughs. We don't know Mo. Like, he is, he's truly written in for laughs. Right. Yeah. It's Mo sick. Lester. <laughs> it's sick. That's the dark comedy of this show, though. They can make you laugh at shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's disgusting. Jay, what were you going to say? No, I was just laughing at the Mo Lester part, really. Do you have anything to say about Cruises? Um, it is a little... What's the word I'm looking for? There's a little bit of cognitive dissonance when it comes to Cruises because they do kind of frame it in this kind of comedic... Um, you know, this comedic framework. But they do that with pretty much all the tragedies the only tragedy that they don't frame it in that way is the manslaughter we deemed it as <laughs> um Kendall's manslaughter incident um which I think is an interesting choice to kind of be serious about that but then not be serious about other things because we even think about what you're thrown to the wayside Roman's issue with the whole fucking rocket launch shit um <laughs> And how that was like kind of brought up. It's like he made a joke about it, and then like it never is brought up again. That's a really good point. Where somebody got fucking maimed, <laughs> and we just we forget about it because there's so much other shit going on. Right. Where, like, we never got, got the death toll on it because it clearly was quite a few people. It was a fucking blow up. It was an explosion. Yeah, it was like a blown up rocket launch because Roman was pushing this rocket launch and they told him it wasn't ready, but he said, do it anyway. So like, you know what I mean? But like that even was framed in a way that it was like funny, like, ah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Only Kendall's tragedy seems to be darkened um, compared to everybody else's. That all being said, um, I still enjoy it because I still think it's interesting that it's not seem like it's taken that seriously but then again a lot of like the happenings on the show thereafter are about what happened in cruises i also think it's mm-hmm. interesting that they only like frame it as like oh yeah you, you well you know what was going on with the cruises that's unfortunate but they don't really directly say what happened often like what is the work? right <laughs> Yeah, so it's just an interesting choice of like what they choose to like lean in on and make a joke about. I don't know if that's like telling in this post Me Too. I shouldn't even say post Me Too work. I guess we're still in it, right? Um, but hopefully, like, right? <laughs> and and now now I'm questioning it. I'm like, are we still in the Me Too era? Because to be able to have this be a plot line, but then it's kind of made to be a joke, but it's not a joke. They were supposed to go to jail, but they're not going to jail now. Like, I'm just, it's very interesting. I don't know. It's a great plot device. It has spawned so many little storylines and obviously points of tension because it's high stakes, obviously. Um, And like you both said, it is so crazy. I overall think it's interesting how the show 
because it's so dry, humory, we mm-hmm. almost end up seeing everything through the Roy's perspective. Like we end up becoming the assholes kind of because of the way <laughs> yeah. our perspective is. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. so crazy, the writing on that meta level. I'm sure they did that on purpose because it, like, we're even questioning our own morals in it. You have to. Like, the whole thing. Yeah. And, yeah. like, to even be able to laugh and enjoy so many storylines. Like, maybe why I hate Roman so much, this, the, like, darkness of what really happened with him as a child. He makes jokes about being molested and he obviously has this whole sexual thing. Like, what is tea? Is there something right. to find out? And it's like, it's, but it's a joke. But it, again, it's his character, like one of his defining characteristics that he's like a funny sexual jokester. Yeah, and, and I mean, we can't take it seriously if he doesn't take it seriously. You know what I mean? Exactly. So again, I just feel like a Roy. I feel like my perspective is Logan. Like I see what he says 90% of the time. And he's a fucking horrible yeah. person. Right. I mean, I (laughs) personally think about what I would do if I were in their position all the time, you know, or like all the time when I'm watching the show, like what would I do as a Roy uh, Scion or whatever, you know? (laughs) It's crazy how they wrote that. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's just interesting about television as like a media device itself, because and that's what can make us, you know, make or break a show. But like, I'm going to feel how you tell me to feel, basically, when I'm watching a show. Right. Like, you know, like, I'll have my own opinions every now and again. But like, I'm like, if you <laughs> have like a, sop, like a sad plot line and you put some sad music on it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be sad. If you have mm-hmm. a sad plot line on it and you make a fucking joke about it, I'm going to be like, oh, ha, ha, this is fucking funny. <laughs> when normally without like those kind of like stylistic devices around it I wouldn't feel like that um and I guess that's the difference between just like television versus like a book but I'm reading it on my own without any influence I'm gonna feel the type of way about it I don't know that is a great specific point about succession though because um on a show like, for example, Euphoria, they don't mm-hmm. do that. They're not yeah. as directive with the music and everything. And half mm-hmm. the time, I have no idea how to feel about what I'm seeing. <laughs> yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Whereas with Succession, okay, I can follow. Exactly. This is not a Euphoria podcast, but I did recently watch it so that I can be able to watch the season two. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what... Besides the fact that I haven't seen a show like what as we were talking about succession being shot haphazardly low-key the way that show is shot is honestly the most brilliant thing i think i've ever seen the way the mm-hmm. work is in that show is astonishing to me um well, but also you know, yeah, they let you sit in your feelings a lot and in this yeah. show mm-hmm. they tell you how to feel for sure with the music like i was like we even talked about the music earlier like the way the music's composed the way they play certain songs like when the guy was talking obviously certain songs come around when there's certain themes coming up. He even made a note of like in the leading sequence, some of the notes are off. Like he'll be playing like a sequence of notes and he'll play one that's incorrect. And that kind of Mm. fits with like the weirdness and the quirkiness and the discomfort of the show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck. Like they, it's thought down to a T to make it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's beyond. It is work. It's firing on so many cylinders. It's crazy. <laughs> um, gee. Season one rounds out with Shiv's wedding. 
Um, Woo! We've talked about the open relationship before, but the open relationship is revealed. Mm-hmm. Amongst many things, like you said, Roman's, um, obviously he wants to have a plot line during the wedding, so he decides the rocket launch needs to be today. Um, <laughs> Greg kind of has his own storyline where he pulls up to Tom and says, hey, I think she's cheating on you. Um, Logan comes after his argument with Shiv where he said he wasn't going to be able to make it. He made a grand entrance like the Leo that we've appointed him. He arrives in a helicopter. Descends on the party like it's his (laughs) wedding. Like Caroline, the mother says, it's Logan's day. Um, Fuck him. And then, of course, I mean, it goes without saying, we have to last, we have to end with the accident when talking about mm. one. listen season one episode 10 is my favorite episode um i want to say thus far period of the franchise i say the franchise of the show mm-hmm. um the what i want to okay hear me out though so the whole accident with the candle situation is is very sad of course and I don't think it's necessarily less sad than the whole Tom Wamsgam situation with Siobhan and her cheating and then basically saying like, yeah, by the way, our relationship's open. But there <laughs> is something tragic about that as well. Like <laughs> to find out on your wedding night that not only do I cheat, but now she's actually expecting this marriage to be open and like, had no prior discussion with you about it, no inclination. Like it was almost like everyone's worst fears kind of came true that night. And so that's why I feel <laughs> like <laughs> I like it as an episode. Like for Kendall, that was him chasing his high, getting somebody injured. Like I, I don't feel like as fucked up as he is, I don't feel like, you know, killing somebody or being responsible for something like that was ever like something that he intended or is okay with as we see. And mm-hmm. we see that he's broken up with about it in season three toward the end. But Roman does not mention the fucking fu- the rocket launch ever again. Not even <laughs> when Kendall is confessing so about this, this storyline. Like he doesn't bring that shit up ever again. It's like it never fucking existed. <laughs> like, so Roman doesn't give a fuck about that he killed people. It was just the fact that like, oh my God, like if this comes out, like I can get in trouble. But it wasn't a matter of, I feel like Kendall, part of it is like, yeah, if this comes out, like, I can get in trouble. But part of it was like, no, but I actually killed somebody. Like, I'm responsible. Regardless of if he grabbed the wheel, regardless of if it was just an accident. Like, at the end of the day, he was driving with me somewhere. I was driving. I killed it. And then for Tom, <laughs> his worst fear was something with Siobhan. And it came true. Like, yeah, no, she's cheating on me. And now she was to have an open relationship. And then he had that weird power play moment with Nate with the wine. Um, and Tom comes back to wine a lot. Like that's his motif of choice. Um, so he did the wine thing with Nate. And then like we see like, again, season three, one of his, I wrote down, I don't know if you want to bring it up, but the whole toilet wine thing, he, <laughs> he was like <laughs> yeah. telling Shiv um, and how like, you know, in prison they do, they, you know, drink toilet wine. He's not going to be able to, drink a nice glass of wine in prison um so yeah so that's why i like season 10 i just feel like everyone's worst whatever your worst you can imagine every character's worst fear was it came true 
that is a fantastic weaving together of all those uh those narratives I, I i never even thought of it that way the person who won the most was you know appropriately shift because she got the wedding she got the open relationship she also got that's when she was working for that politician mm-hmm. and she was milking them for the cruise storyline so that she could give him pieces <laughs> of bad information about her family right and tom was obviously spilling the beans <laughs> so yeah i would agree everyone lost except for her yeah. i mean kendall lost the most obviously again going with the successor theme mm-hmm. all of his dreams were shot down he was going to fucking buy the company out he in the back half of the season he figured out a way with stewie and sandy who his dad hates sandy as a rival and stewie's <laughs> tool speaking of tools his douchey as billionaire oh, friend God. who can make major power plays and where his money comes from tech that's all they put it in of course um <laughs> well tech says say. it all <laughs> yeah all you to say these days that's how they explain it away how he has yeah a ridiculous amount of money you can't really not has. be a douche with a name like stewie too who the fuck is named stewie <laughs> other than some asshole frat boy <laughs> exactly so K- Kendall comes to an agreement with them. They're going to buy 140 a share, pitch it to the shareholders. And then, you know, they thought they had a way of getting in. And then obviously Logan blackmails his son and says, it's funny you think you're going to do this today because actually I was up all <laughs> night researching this caterer that you killed. <laughs> and he boils that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Enter gif of New York's mother fingering that manila envelope. (laughs) (laughs) It was absolutely over with. Um, Wow. Okay. So we we pick up season two, 48 hours after the end of season one. They don't do, again, I hate to speak in soprano stock here, but they don't do that thing where it's a lot of time in the off season and they just mm-hmm. act like you're just, you just pick back up. They usually come back pretty quickly. Um, if not within like the hour, like maybe a couple of days later. So right. which, what's interesting to me, just random, is that right after Shiv's wedding, she got a bob cut and then went on her honeymoon. Did anybody else find that shocking or no? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was ready for that haircut. Maybe she didn't have time in the run up to the wedding and everything else. But I think she was probably gagging to get something modern. <laughs> so she had been planning it all along. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. That was her <laughs> wedding gift to herself. <laughs> Since a she new won cut, the wedding day, she re- rewarded herself with a bob. Okay, right. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I mean, you know what they say about women who cut their hair? They were, you know, ready to take on a challenge, ready to do something. Right. <laughs> and this is Shiv's successor season. So she's kicking it off with a power haircut, letting us know who's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect that. We pick up with Kendall. He's in rehab, but unfortunately, he only gets to do a 48 hour stint because he's needed to be used as a prop in the media. <laughs> <laughs> that was so sad. <laughs> it was tragic. He was yeah. like, Well, I mean, I've, I've only been here two days, so <laughs> like, like, that's kind of crazy. That was the worst uh, I've ever felt for that character. <laughs> yeah. 
they dragged him out of bed from rehab to go sit in front of a camera and do what he's told. Right. You're so reeling from the fact that you killed somebody and then had your dad cover it up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that you relapsed even. Like, there was so much that happened. You relapsed, you killed somebody, which kind of reinforces why, like, you shouldn't be on drugs, but that's not, like, the kind of reinforcement anybody wants. And, um... (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, by the way, now that you've enjoyed your little mud bath for like 48 hours, it's time for you to get back in front of the fucking camera and the family that you hate and basically talk about how much your dad's a great person and how you should save Waystar Royka. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. And how all that shit you were on before was nothing, you know? <laughs> all that effort you put into trying to take over the company <laughs> was, you know, ill-advised and the result of, you know, some drug haze. Exactly. That would kill me personally, because, you, you know, I take a lot of shit to heart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, do anything for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit too prideful for that. I would not be able to just sit in front of a TV and be like, yeah, like I was actually completely on some bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. Don't take anything I just said seriously. I don't know if I could discredit myself like that. Me neither. Even the way when he pulls up and he has to meet face-to-face with Stewie and Sandy for the first time after, and Stewie's like, yo, like, friend to friend here, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of flip the script here and also won't return any of my calls. So, like, what's... I can't yeah. get a read on you here. And obviously, um, within those 48 hours, I'd like to theorize that Kendall got a lobotomy because who the fuck was that person that we saw that was literally <laughs> a prop for most of the next two seasons we were to watch. Again. Yeah, he, he was deep in the hole. Wow. Yeah. What do you do? Like, you're, like, you're reeling. Because I mm-hmm. feel like beyond, again, beyond the fact that all this shit happened, you now also try to cover it up. Like, and I feel like a lot of times that eats at people more than, like, the actual fucking event. Like, now it's like, I can't even tell his family. Now the family thinks that this boy just killed himself, like on some off shit. Like, you know what I mean? Versus <laughs> like this, this accent that I took a part of. I don't know. I, I feel like that would eat me up, not being able to tell people about it. Yeah. And that's why he has to just disengage and yeah. zone out. That's when he turns to a zombie. Yeah. yeah. He can't. Yeah. He wants to say it so bad that he knows if he emotes at all, he will reveal it. And he can't. His dad has him hostage. Right. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. Listen, he's the first person you ran to. He didn't leave. His dad left him no choice. His dad confronted him and said, I know what you did. So come cry (laughs) in my arms. (laughs) I hated that scene. He, like, holds him in his arms. Kendall's not even hugging him back. He's just bawling. He's like, fuck. Yeah, he collapsed. This guy. But I mean, uh, but I felt like Logan's love was gen- genuine, though. I don't know if, if I mean, okay. I, what, I, what I'll say is this. I feel like Logan was concerned for his kid, but he also did see, like, okay, but this is my way to get my company back. <laughs> I felt like he saw Well, Logan. you know, everything I feel, I think everything is a chess move for uh, for Logan. So even mm. if he was, you know, genuine about it, it was still a power play, like everything he yeah. does. That's sad. Yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. the way he delivered the lines of knowing it was just so not 
sensitive. If he did feel bad for Kendall, the way he revealed that he knew was a real, real asshole way. It was very big yeah. meeting. And at the same time, I mean, for me personally, I feel like Kendall played it wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I, I'll probably, hopefully, never be in that position, but I feel like in a situation like that, you kind of have to go, so, you know, you have to stiff up or lip it. You can't show that weakness with a person like his father. With Logan. But, um, yeah. I mean, the evidence because they had honestly... was flimsy at best. I mean, yeah. what the they didn't even rule that it was any sort of anything because the guy w- had ketamine in his system, so it's likely that he would drive off a bridge and it was rainy outside. So, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the key card being on, I mean, in the water, and besides that person seeing Kendall quote unquote damp that evening, there wasn't much evidence against him. No, right. And beyond the fact that he wasn't in a driver's seat, so it's clearly somebody else was there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is, Kendall definitely could have been like a so. Because if this gets out, the whole family's fucked. You know, this is like, right. you know what I mean? Like, no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, everyone else was great in this except for, you know, Kendall. Like, it's not going to, like, Kendall doesn't exist in a bubble. Um, so if it got out, it'd be a problem for all of them. It was important, and- though, also, not to even cut you off, just to add, this was also the caterer that Logan yelled at earlier this day and they paid off. So all of that comes into play. Right. Yeah, but, you fucking um, <laughs> not me. <laughs> and uh, which call it? And Kendall could have really just been like, "Listen, like I wanted to confess what happened. My dad was saying that like he'll cover it all up and pay me off. And you know what I mean? Things like that. Like Kendall really mm-hmm. could have like gone far with it if he wanted to, but he was just still reeling from. And that's the problem. Where Logan is not emotional, Kendall is. So. Kendall just couldn't get over the emotional hump. And I'm not saying this as right. like a, it's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the emotional hump of having killed someone. Um, whereas Logan was like, okay, it happened. Let's keep it pushing. Like, let's do the media spin and we're going to spin it. Like this kid was on drugs, actively suicidal, bam, kill himself. Yeah. Can- I, I mean, this is not a world where you can wear your heart on your sleeve. You can yeah. feel the guilt, but you can't show the guilt or, you know, yeah. what happened is going to happen. Also, Which is why in he... some respects... Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, which is why in some respects, Roman is, to me, a little bit more similar to Logan. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like, Roman, Roman can detach emotionally. If we have to pick, like, some, like, a, like a trait they all get from their father... Roman gets his emotional detachment. Now, again, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is for you to decide. Right. But. Um, just a minor detail, I was going to say, even Kendall could have spun it. He could have obviously said his dad paid him off, of course, that's an option. But also, even when mm-hmm. they were driving, him and the guy were having a conversation about the guy was like, you're really rich? And he was like, yeah. He's like, I should like hold you hostage and just like hold you ransom for money. So Kendall could have leaned and said, like, this guy was trying to take me. He knew I was under the influence, and he was trying to take advantage of me and hold me ransom. Yeah. Like, he could have spun it so many ways, but, I mean, of course, in the moment, everyone has that thing where, in the moment, they fuck up, and then they can think of a million ways they could have handled it later. But... Again, it's... it's, And for... In this particular case, I'm saying, like, he could have done all these things, 
but I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him being emotionally bent out of shape. Like you should be. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. the human thing to do. <laughs> yeah, like you should be very sad about the fact that you killed somebody and you should and and not you should but it's not uncommon for people to be in a situation like that and then want to hide it or want to kind of like you know keep it under wraps like Mm -hmm. hidden runs are thing for a reason like sometimes like the accountability of like processing the fact that you did this to somebody and then also having to take the repercussions for it it's a lot i can't say that i don't understand (laughs) like if somebody's offering you a, a nice juicy steak they're like okay like here you can come out of the deal like you don't have to go to jail i want to get out of jail free card who wouldn't yeah but i just don't like how he showed <laughs> logan that i i mean i'm a kindle hater i admit it and you know maybe i'm kind of a fuck up person too but like i just can't picture myself in that position letting my father see me sweat you know yeah i don't disagree with you yeah What'd you think of, okay, so again, we're in season two, we're kind of on the premiere, and in the premiere, Logan pitched, he had individual meetings with everybody, and it, he pitched to Shiv that he wanted her to leave politics and come all in, race our Royco, next mm-hmm. up in line, baby. Did you believe uh-huh. him, or did you ever think it was a possibility that it would be her? I only ever half believe Logan. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But it made so much sense in the light of all of their, you know, quote unquote, women trouble (laughs) that Shiv would Uh be the successor. So uh, I was skeptical, but I was leaning towards believing that it would happen. I believed that Logan believed that it was a good political move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whether or not he really wanted it to i can't even say that he really believed that it was going to happen because he keeps saying like oh yeah like you'll be my successor but gives him no timeline on when that succession will happen so he's very like you know like i said dangle the steak dangle the carrot whatever you want to call it but he uh i just didn't believe that he actually wanted shift to be in the running anytime soon but do I feel like he saw like why it would benefit his company politically? Absolutely. And I yeah. feel like that was really his motivation. It was a very McCain Biden move. Yeah. Especially <laughs> once the Pierce family got involved, which they were mm. the liberal counterparts to the Roy's, um, and they were trying to buy them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like, and of course, like that was a whole plot point of Nan Pierce saying basically in the deal that ship has to be the successor and even though that whole season logan was so on board with that the moment she said that to him he was like no then the deal's off i won't do that yeah which is like so frustrating for him to do that but it's kind of like so then what was his goal in the beginning like you know like so was ship ever going to be the leader then if he like flipped out on a deal because of that you know what i mean it's it's weird Mm -hmm. I mean, given hindsight, I feel like this is where they showed us that none of the children <laughs> were going to, to succeed him. If you yeah. really looked at it, like, Shiv is the best option on paper and, you know, temperament-wise and everything. And if she's not going to get it, is he going to give it to, to these three, one of these three fuck-ups? Like, really, is he going to do that? 
probably not. Right. Yeah, Roman being in the running at all was a real Hail Mary for season three. Mm-hmm. Because, like, in, of course, like, of what we knew of him, he would have never seemed like a real option, a real power player in the game. When Shiv, like you said, on paper is everything besides the fact that her resume is in politics. So it's kind of nothing else that really stops her from being that person. Yeah. Right. And I don't um, think her resume being in politics is necessarily like a detractor or or not beneficial in this type of case. And she was working in the shadow aspect of politics too. She's not a politician. She's right. a, a fixer. And that is a very stealth, very dark position <laughs> in politics. Like a consultant type. So Yeah, the consultant who knows how to hide all of the stuff. Yeah. She was like the Olivia Pope of like whatever she was doing, like just exactly. covering shit up. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is also the season where they have the bore on the floor game where <laughs> you know, kind of infamous, but there was a rat in the group and Logan decided that this game that he humiliated Greg, Tom, and the other guy, what's that guy's name that's always by his side? You know what I mean? That one guy who's just like a random guy. Yeah. Fuck. I, I forget his name there. too. <laughs> um, well, he embarrasses them and the rat ends up, it was Greg the whole time, at least Greg thought it was, but it ended up being Mo Lester who again had just passed. Um, so it was convenient <laughs> to throw it on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of um, that. Again, the Pierce family, that episode was a great episode where they go to meet them. And just like the parallel, how they kind of put every character to babysit one of the Pierces and kind of, I don't know, broker the deal through them. And they all mm-hmm. flub it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Except, except for, for Kendall, Kendall. Yeah, I was about to say, except is... for Kendall, he does exceedingly well actually with his partner <laughs> obviously connecting through junkie tendencies i mean whatever yeah hey, whatever, make, whatever it makes the deal right yeah it was shave who really did the big belly flop and all of that yeah because all she had to do was shut the fuck up and she couldn't do it my problem yeah, with her she set herself at the table yeah yeah that Both was so unnecessary just talk too fucking much mm-hmm. in my opinion. oh totally yeah, yeah. Uh, Shiv's pride gets in the way a lot I mean yeah. maybe that's something that she got from her father you know yeah and that was a great Marsha episode too because that's when she kind of started lashing out and just being more than just it seemed like Logan's protector and ride or die she mm-hmm. started to recognize or at least acknowledge that she doesn't like their setup in that all of this shit he's doing, he doesn't ever think of her in it. Like yeah. She has to, she's like, I'm here riding for you and you're making ridiculous decisions. And some of the shit I disagree with. How about that? Right. <laughs> and also, he's fucking Raya at the same time. You know, he's having an affair in everybody's face. She comes on board, the CEO of the Pierce, like whatever their organization was called. I forgot what they were called. Uh, PMG, right? Pierce yeah, Media Group? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about... And the lady also can't help but know that she voiced Mrs. Incredible 
in The Incredibles because her voice. Yes. So, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's Miss Incredible." <laughs> yeah, Holly Hunter. Classic. Um, yeah. That character. What did you think of her? Did you like her? Miss her? Where? What happened to her? Um. I mean, I I liked her. She was another, um, you know, powerful female figure on the scene for a while, mm-hmm. which I think is always helpful to to these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, she you never saw her break either. She like played the game really well, so well that she fucking seduced Logan. You know, made him step out of line. <laughs> <laughs> Had him thinking crazy. <laughs> Ugh. my problem is I just can't trust anything that Logan does like I don't feel like he's doing mm-hmm. anything for the simple pleasure of doing something like I feel like there's always like a motive behind what he does yeah I agree it's never for the greater good or you know really any good at all <laughs> <laughs> he fucked them mm. into betraying the family that she worked for so yeah yeah <laughs> so smart during is that Logan season, putting it down? Wait, go ahead, babe. I was like, is Logan putting it down like that? I was about to say, what is Logan really throwing his back out like that? <laughs> I mean, I know you pick hey. up on a lot of tricks. <laughs> yeah, no. The pipe is crazy. Okay. Yeah, he's probably do, doing some some grips. You know, he probably gets real crazy with the words. Probably. Uh, really yeah. you through it for sure. Directive, yeah, like yeah, yeah. For sure. Runs mm. the show. Um, <laughs> also, during the season, we get you know the cruises. The through line here is the trial. Um, <laughs> anybody want to know anything from the trial? The only thing I really want to know is like Greg's performance at the trial was horrible. <laughs> uh, of <course>. Truly, <laughs> a spectacular dumpster fire. The trial seemed like an opportunity for everybody to lie on the stand, but I guess I didn't really think about Greg having to and how he wasn't ready to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And he knew too much. Greg is never ready. Typical (laughs) Taurus. Just never. Um, Yeah, poor Greg. And it just sucks that he played such a pivotal role in this. In terms of like, you know, getting rid of the document. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that's like cats. <laughs> you're aiding and abetting, like you are deliberately trying to destroy evidence. Like that's a serious crime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lucky for Greg, a move that truly came out of nowhere was Greg keeping a few docs for himself mm-hmm. as leverage. That's when I was like, oh, okay. Like, this Greg character is truly, he's getting the hint. As if yeah. he has so many times along the way. I know he's out of time, and not to be, you know, <laughs> that bitch that references her older episodes, please go listen to our time episode. Um, episode about terrible times, I should say. But he was a Tom in that way. It was very Schwartz-like. He's like playing with this happy-go-lucky, I'm harmless. I'm kind of stupid type of character but then does something like that like to save the document so that he won't Mm -hmm. be thrown under the bus that makes me feel like there's something he's not telling us he's a dark figure a little bit 
it's Tom behavior for sure. I can see him being a Gregory Thomas. Maybe Tom is his middle name. <laughs> Gregory Thomas. He's 100% Gregory Thomas. Um, and I feel like we're really shifted again. Like I will continue to refer to the season one, episode seven through 10 arc. Cause I feel like there was a lot of planted seeds there. Once he started doing Coke, his whole personality changed. And like they kind of mm. like of course with Kendall it's reference even when Kendall was trying to do that um deal with those girls and he kept seeing her at the bachelor party and he was stalking her and she's like look maybe it's the coke talking I'm a little more confrontational da da it's always like obviously coke is its own character in the show mm-hmm. and once Greg got into that character things started to shift I think that things were put in perspective and he realized he wanted to play in this game too. He's like, you know what? I liked being that bum I was before, but this lap of luxury, like even so much so that like by the time they get on that fucking cruise ship, which like the irony is not lost on me that their family's yacht is the size of a cruise ship and the whole cruises thing. It was built on the tragedy of cruises. Greg gets on there. (laughs) He's not impressed by the size of the boat. He's not impressed by how beautiful it is. Kendall's like, what the fuck? You're not gagging he's like oh yeah no like this is nice like whatever like oh yeah greg (laughs) has tried it on for size and he likes this for him yeah Yeah. he's just like like we said tom he's like i'm not comfortable any longer with just doing like management middle management's not gonna cut it i need the top spot tourist right exactly exactly he's seen luxuries and he wants it Right. I was happy doing my thing before, but now that I've seen this, I got to keep it. And I'm going to do anything, any means necessary to keep this going. Yes. Even if one of those means is fucking Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And honestly, see. sleeping with somebody that's very Taurus also. So, like, it's not <laughs> above yeah, True. Yeah. It's not, I'm not about it. I just think Teresa Judice is like the is like peak Taurus for me. Mm. When I think of everything a Taurus is, it's just Teresa Judice. For sure. Even going to jail. I see it. <sighs> wow. Season two ends on the boat. Of course, <laughs> like I said, the cruises thing. As cruises is coming to a head and the trials coming to an end, they're on their own personal cruise cruise ship all together um mm-hmm. kind of hearing about this and kindle kind of snaps out of his lobotomy at this moment this is when it's <laughs> kind of mentioned that maybe kindle would be a good person to lay on the cross for this sin and kindle's like wait whoa, whoa i think that's a step too far i didn't avoid jail time to just end up with more jail time like that's not gonna work for me yeah it's like what do you would you rather i'm like a coked out manslaughter person manslaughter person manslaughterer (laughs) (laughs) right it's no murderer so manslaughterer will do manslaughterer or i'm a skeevy sexual pervert who knew women were getting sexually assaulted and did nothing about it and furthermore hid the evidence i don't know i feel like i take a gander at the first then the latter but (laughs) (laughs) what do i know Well, you know, the first can be spun as a personal tragedy. The second is a little more difficult to get away with. (laughs) Exactly. And I also like the shareholder calling Logan at one point in that season and saying, I basically 
we've all talked that we kind of want it to be you who goes down. Like, are you into that? <laughs> and Logan <laughs> doesn't refer to that mention. That happens in a vacuum. He acted like that was never, I mean, it's never been an option. <laughs> though he is the one most related to the scandal, though he most likely has resulted in some of those accidents played into some things with molester i'm sure Mm -hmm. he is the one that should take the fall most involved goes to him but he can't even he won't see that for himself and that just shows like kendall Kendall, i mean not kendall um logan is ruthless and heartless and you got to be in this in this game yeah he's the definition of ruthless yeah. Logan's like, I pay people to, to do the dirty work for me. So it's not that he doesn't necessarily know what was going on, but it's like I'm taking I'm paying you to take care of this shit. So I feel like him throwing himself under the bus for it was never gonna happen. <laughs> like, <just> never <laughs> but yeah, the audacity of it never being a thought in his head is, <laughs> is really funny. <laughs> From the conception of his company, it was just never right. Mm-hmm. Couldn't happen. Kendall <laughs> pulls the power move of going and hosting um, a press conference with Greg at his side, which again, this is Greg's <laughs> coming out. Greg at his side, and he reveals that his dad. He basically just says like what we were just talking about. His dad knows more than he's letting on. Obviously, it should be his dad who goes down for it. And he won't cop to it. And I'm here to tell you that right that the company is rotten and I'm the one to fix it. Yep. He showed that him. he really is a killer, so to speak. Good for him. That was really out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, he woke up from the lobotomy. <laughs> and everything snapped into position and he got off that boat immediately. Yep. And scrammed. I, it was crazy. And even Logan had respect for it. Logan's like, this motherfucker. I can't believe Yeah, there, there was a little that. smirk on that face. All the more reason why I say Kendall is his favorite. Just saying. He yeah. didn't think Kendall had the cojones to do something like that. Like, Not yeah. after what Kendall did. Because it, it, it is a big deal that Kendall did that after you know his whole profession, his dad covered up his shit and everything. It's like, wow, you're still going to try to fuck me over? That's crazy. Like, okay. Game one. And considering the lobotomy I've paid for for you, for you to still click in the gear, crazy. <laughs> take How a shot every up? time Jay says lobotomy in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Kendall's like a roach. You know, you can't kill him. <laughs> it, it just, uh, he, he does keep coming back. He does. <laughs> much to everyone's chagrin right every season even if he's not it's not his successor season he's still always in the mix too for that top spot Mm -hmm. um and that leads us to our most recent season season three which is roman's season (laughs) yeah it is the alt-right season (laughs) (laughs) um like you said we kind of already talked about earlier but it's the presidency is heavy on the mind. So we're talking about choosing who's going to be the next president. Obviously, they go with it. Extreme conservative. You know, Shiv tries to talk them out of it. They're not hearing that. Yep. Um, I wrote also 
cousin Greg's development, we see him living in like this new, he's living in a high rise himself now. He's starting to mm-hmm. like date some girls. Again, he's scoring mm-hmm. coke on his own. He doesn't need a connection. He buys a fucking bust down watch. He gets convinced to do it. And he's like, fuck it. Yeah, I'll buy it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the money I'm for good it. for it. <laughs> Which I'm I, I said he said he's I, I'm good for it I'm good for it he's like fuck it I do I have the money no well I'd buy it yeah sure why not he felt <laughs> pressured because he again he's living in the limelight now he feels like he needs it um yeah Kendall is doing his thing with Nomi they call her but I feel like like Naomi like Nomi I think it is um, Naomi Yes. Again, on a on a name note, I told Jay this the other day, but I I don't want to go through this podcast without saying that white people can have ghetto names too, and I find <laughs> Romulus and Shaban to be ghetto names. I do. <laughs> I just do. I'm sorry. If I knew a black boy named Romulus, I would say that's ghetto. I would. <laughs> it reminds me of my brother has a friend named Furious, and that's his government. Furious. And it reminds me of that name for some reason. I'm like, that is a ghetto name. I'm sorry. And again, Shaban, you can, it's, it's misspelled. It, you can say it's, it's not or, misspelled. It is. Her nickname <laughs> is misspelled. Her, her, her nickname uh, is misspelled. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can say it's for culture if you want. But again, I'm saying if I saw a black person with that name written that way, I would say it's ghetto. So I'm just going to be true across the board and say, even the way they say know me instead of Naomi. Her name is Naomi. Why do they always say know me? Just, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with you, especially Shiv. A Shiv is a weapon that you fashion in prison. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I've always found that funny. How right, is that which is the, honestly the irony. Um, right. Um, yeah, I guess it's right. If I mean, you guys, if other cultures can be like, well, this is a cultural thing for us, like spelling this and these names, then I feel like Black people should be allowed to do the same thing, but we're not. So now I'm going to fight back and I'm going to call your names ghetto. How about that? And many <laughs> of them are, you know? They are. I'm judging them as an American. They're ghetto. And I mean, <laughs> even outside of names like uh, Romulus and Siobhan, you know, there's a lot of Kayleys and Baileys and, you know, all that out there <laughs> spelled in weird ways. Jamie Lynn's, I, you know, there's names. Yes, there. certainly. Jamie Lynn. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad we got that out the way. That important cultural note. So, <laughs> Kendall's doing his thing with Naomi and this is also kind of not kind of this is when he's really on himself and smelling himself he has that weird party where he like wants to wear a jetpack and like fly through it and the then, ceiling yeah <laughs> <laughs> really weird a cokey decisions and then he decides to go on this show where they make fun of him all the time but he thinks he's in on the joke but then obviously he he can't handle it. He has a breakdown right before it. So like, that's not happening, but he's just playing. He has this weird scene where they all read him tweets about himself, like good tweet, bad tweet. It's like a lot going on, like real manic behavior going on. I'm going to say very manic, very cokey, uh, very tool. Like it's very, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like I'm this rich socialite 
kid in my 30s well you're not really a kid anymore but acting like a kid but you're in your 30s you're grown you're you have children it's very scott disick yeah it's very like 2010s millennial douchebag behavior like they hit all the notes of the last decade (laughs) like this could he could have been a bojack character for all i knew watching this right um (laughs) yeah especially that birthday party and then him having the meltdown at the birthday party even i mean wow it's like no wonder gen z hates us (laughs) (laughs) that's how we look um also i mean how did you feel about just to go on the birthday party scene, but in terms of like him having that meltdown and then like telling Naomi or Nay as he was calling her um, <laughs> about like how he like basically like hated her gift. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. One. Yeah, because he was trying to find his kid's gift, and I feel like that's like where you see he starts to connect back to himself like when his ex mentions the children or whatever and so she's like oh yeah like they made you a gift we handed it to somebody and he's like trying to find this gift and he's being manic so he's like you know throwing things around trying mm-hmm. to search for it and then you know nay makes it about herself and she's like hey or, like get my gift and then he hates it <laughs> um and then he was just like shitting on her like oh it's a terrible gift no word on if he ever found the children's gift. I guess not, but. I love his ex-wife because she reminds him of the man that he always wanted to be, but never was. Like, she's a real trigger mm. for him. And she really mm-hmm. comes in handy on this show. I'm glad you said that because mm-hmm. I kind of have a section. I'm going to say, because what we'll, we'll finish season three. I'm going to say. Charlie, you have to come back for a part two because we also haven't talked about any side characters. And I also want to talk about the romantic relationships. And I feel like we can dive more into some other things. But in terms of Rava, I agree. I think Rava is a really good character, especially for a moral compass when it comes to Kendall. Mm -hmm. And she does things without saying it. It's like, you know, they say the best writing is when you show something, you don't say something. She's really right. good with, instead of just saying, Kendall, you've relapsed and you're at rock bottom, like, you need help, she'll go, I'm here if you need to talk. And that's all he yes. needs to hear, it's for that to sit with mm-hmm. him and be like, fuck, mm-hmm. she's right. And he cares about her opinion so much. Like, even so much. for the birthday party, he didn't think it was a terrible idea up until she was like, wow, it's, like, really big. There's a lot of people here, like, you know, just maybe in her mind, she was just making a comment. Maybe she was actually trying to get at something with him, but that shit tore him up. And that's the beginning of like his meltdown. Um, he was like, yeah, you're right. Like there is nobody that I really know at this party. My wife and kids aren't here. You know, my dad's not here. Like people that he would care about being there. He's like being a douchebag to his siblings. Like, it's like, yeah, like, what am I doing here? Right. Rava is like the good witch version of Marsha. Yes. You know? <laughs> She's a Glenda yeah. of, of it all. Who still is in reality and is not afraid of Kendall in any way. She will say or do whatever. And all mm-hmm. she cares about, and like she wants him to be well. She doesn't want bad for him. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, especially because they have kids together. So like she's really- It seemed like Marsha. Definitely both are anchoring forces. The problem is that Kendall is, again, uses drugs and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and lost sight of that anchor. And now that he yeah. doesn't have it anymore, he's literally gone up the fucking deep end. Mm-hmm. To the point where we thought he drowned <laughs> towards the end. OMG. I was right, like, I wrote a suicide on? attempt slash recreating what happened with the caterer question mark? Basically. Basically. Right. <laughs> like, this is it, it was, it was one of those where it's like, did he just like put his head underwater just to see how it felt? Because his dad emphasized like, oh yeah, like how many minutes was he like, you know, not breathing? Like one, two, three, like how long did it take him to drown basically? So mm-hmm. I feel like was he like just like putting his head underwater for a couple of minutes just to see what it mm-hmm. felt like? One of those like sick morbid type of <laughs> situations, and then just like you know, almost drowned because that's what happens when you put yourself underwater. I mean, um, that's fucking deep, really. Um, I I thought he was just drunk and passed out. You know. Okay. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm you're wrong very at good. all, and I love that. I love that take. I just I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, what clued me into I think he was in on it was his eyes were wide open. That felt like mm. he was really staring at like almost again looking for the caterer whereas in that scene I feel like he wasn't really looking for him. He was looking mm. for something that wasn't there. And mm-hmm. I think that was when I was like, wait, whoa, is this a, is he like having machinations of what happened that night? Like what is mm. he's having suicidal ideations at the thought of like maybe it could have been me that died there too. Let me just see what that would have been like. Maybe it should have been me who died yeah. that night. It's just such a complex like accident. You have the survivor's guilt. You have the guilt of like actually having killed somebody or playing a role in it. Um, mm-hmm. Then hiding it. Like there's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to play on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, of course, he admits in the finale to his siblings that he killed someone. And as we talked about early, earlier, Romulus replies, like, who hasn't killed someone, you know? Which he's not <laughs> kidding. Who hasn't in this family? Right. But it is noted that he is the one to put it out and kind of just trivialize, trivialize it and just say, like, Kendall, it's not a big deal. Like, whatever. He was going to die anyway. Um, and also just Roman's arc over this season, how Roman went from, of course, thinking it was him who was going to be taken over to mm-hmm. realizing that like realistically speaking if any of them want to sit in that chair it's going to have to be some sort of overthrow situation he's not going to willingly mm-hmm. give it up even mm-hmm. showing from episode one where you have the aneurysm even when he he comes to immediately he wants to be ceo again he's never going to give it up so, right that like what do you think of roman in terms of his successor season and his arc with that. I I I really thought they were doing a spirit of the edge or a spirit of the age type thing where, you know, that kind of Trumpy alt-right energy was going to triumph in the end. I thought they were really playing with that. And I, I thought there was a good chance that it it might happen. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was playing his cards right right up until, you know, the last third of the season that's a really interesting parallel mm-hmm. and it's, that is what he kind of um represents in the show yeah that that like 
sort of edge lord, uh, <laughs> young to middle aged white guy who is discontent with having everything. That's Roman. Mm. Wow. Jay, what'd you think? Since you kind of like, not kind of like, he's not your least favorite character. What'd you think of Romulus's um, arc here? Like his succession arc? I mean, I didn't really see it. He's not my least favorite character, but he's not my favorite. And um, I don't think he's Logan's favorite either. If we, if honestly, I'm still going on the thought that Logan has favorites at this point. Um, so I just never really believed it. He doesn't take it seriously enough and doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Like, the first day he got an office, he jacked off on the fucking window. Like he's not, <laughs> he's not here mentally to to really handle the shit that goes on. He's just, and I feel like that's part of the reason why he's latched onto Jerry. It's because he knows mm-hmm. that Jerry, he, like like a, you know, latched like a barnacle. Like Jerry will take him for the ride. Like Jerry will, knows what to do. He's like, so if Jerry told him to do this, he'll do it, just because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, Roman is like the abandoned child, even Uh though, you know, he grew up being in contact with both of his parents. uh, He comes from two uh, cold, calculating people, you know, Logan and and Caroline. And it seems like he's the one who took it the hardest. Uh So he's always looking for a mommy and a daddy. You know, he lives to suck up to his father. That that's his whole character, basically on the Mm -hmm. show at least in terms of the company and the family Mm -hmm. and you know he's he's kind of found a mother figure in jerry you know Mm -hmm. and she's the only one who can get him off too (laughs) famously Famously, he's had many little girlfriends or whatever they are arm pieces beards whatever we're calling them to ride Mm -hmm. around with jerry's been the only one to get him the climax Yep, she's the only one that can take him there. In part uh-huh. because she represents the mother that he never had, you know? And all that Oedipal psychosexual shit, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. The mommy. That's what it likes. is. Yeah, and Shiv makes a joke about it during the um, during the, the mother's wedding, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mommy's the only one that can make my penis go boom boom or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just to quote her verbatim <laughs> so she kind of she's picking up on that complex and it's something yeah. that she technically has her own self with her father um she tries to deviate from that by marrying somebody like tom who's like the complete opposite mm-hmm. um funny it's even funnier now because if we're saying that tom's a cancer and then like logan's a leo it's just like it's the two luminaries so you have the sun and then you have the moon (laughs) right she runs from the sun and goes to the moon but that's still not that's not fulfilling right the moon can't satisfy her Mm -hmm. not sexually at least it's just a convenience Mm -hmm. and what a great transition into you know the final act in season three mm. where mm. we've we kind of get introduced to this character 
this unhinged Matson guy who owns Gojo again. Tech, 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 tech. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> he wants to buy the company, and this is the first time it really seems like Logan is all in on it. Like Logan's thinking this, he has respect for this guy. Also, the way the guy is, his personality, Logan really likes. Like when he comes mm-hmm. to visit him, he's like, "Okay, let's just talk straight shit." But he's like, "Like no, cut, let's cut to the bullshit." He's like, "Okay, sh- cool. I'm, you know what? I'll cut to the bullshit even more. I want to be the CEO." And I think Logan was really like, "Whoa!" Like for you to come in demanding things, and he's a power player, and he has so much fucking money. Logan, of course, respects money. Mm-hmm. Like Logan likes this guy. Um, and of course, the timing of Caroline and the, again, the tiny through lines of like, Roman kind of floats the idea that he doesn't like the idea of his mom not having a prenup with this guy who mm-hmm. they deem fishy. Really, because he's not rich, but also because he is a little bit fishy. He's very fishy. <laughs> and the mom's I... in on him being fishy too and doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, this guy is her Tom, really. Yeah. She's not embarrassed by it either. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a little cringy. Okay, sure. Whatever, fuck it. I love him. <laughs> he might have sniffed the seat or two. Yeah. yeah. He's fun. <laughs> it's fine. And so all that, it comes to blows when all the kids, except for Connor, because Connor feels left out and he lashes out saying, I'm the oldest, I should have been in on this. But mm-hmm. he does, again, he's not tethered to reality. He's a joke. So why would they talk to him about this? They all decide that they're going to do the overthrowing this time. They have the shares on their side with their mom and everything's been weighed out. Along the way, they're making their calls, getting their ducks in a row. And one of the calls is made from Shiv to Tom to kind of let him know what T is. And Tom you know, being the succubus that he is, ask, and what will my role be in this new situation? Of course, it's all mm. about the power to him. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, you'll be fine. She doesn't have a role for him, which is disturbing <laughs> to him. Right. And he's like, that's not going to do. Like, Tom being okay, I'm done playing that role. I want to be the guy. Yeah, Tom finally puts down that big Joker wife card, you know? Like, you may be the head of this house, but I'm the neck. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that is so wife of him. And he pulls Greg <laughs> aside and he tells Greg, like, look, this is the thing. And I want you to go here with me. And of course, again, now Greg's on his own trajectory. And he's like, yeah, COO sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Has a nice ring to it. And Tom fucks the whole shit up. And we see that brief moment where Logan does like a reassuring pat on Tom's back or shoulder or something like that to to key us into the fact that it was Tom who foiled the plan. Also, Caroline played a role, of course, but she's out for herself and her man. And her man really wanted that London flat, I believe. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Um, So Tom pulled the chess move of all chess moves. Now, where does everyone land? Are you pro Tom doing that? Are you not pro Tom doing that? Also, what would you have done? If I were Shiv, just speaking personally, I would figure out some way to poison him. I would kill him for (laughs) fucking up my shit like that. He would be a dead man walking. 
But as far as like how I feel for Tom, I'm psyched for Tom to have done that. It, it was it was a power move of power moves. He canceled out all of the Roy children, and he's probably going to take their place in the line of succession. So it was a great move, even though it was, you know, fucked up and something that you should never do to someone that you claim you love. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it, particularly because I don't understand how it will benefit him um, because I don't think it will. That There's very little payoff with completely going along with what Logan tells you to do um or it's a completely kissing his ass it's like Logan only has a couple people that he that he fucks with and respects and that's it one of them being Jerry and what's the other guy's name I'm blanking on it we've been trying to think of his name the Frank. whole episode. Frank is that guy the gray hair guy is Frank but then there's also Frank, like a okay. blonde older dude that's yeah there's that uh, no I don't know that guy he's but been Frank. not around lately anyway <laughs> Because I don't know if you remember that one scene where like Logan was supposed to go on for the shareholders meet, you know, you know, like the whole conference thing. And he like, you know, starts losing his mind because he didn't take his pills. And mm. which what the fuck are in those pills? But anyway, um, <laughs> and somebody said, was it Tom? He was like, oh, somebody was being nasty to Frank. And then Logan was like, but no one could be nasty to Frank. Only I could be nasty to Frank. So who was being nasty to Frank? So I'm like, so Logan only gives a fuck about Jerry and Frank, really, in terms of like people he thinks are actually capable of doing some shit and getting shit done. So I question Tom aligning himself with Logan in that way, beyond the fact that it's clearly some sort of, um, I don't know. So the words we do, we do know from what has been said by other characters that Logan mm-hmm. is kind of like looking for a new child, whatever mm. that might mean. And he did call uh, Tom's son when Tom was helping him in that uh, bathroom stall. That's, That's true. what I think back to. So mm. that, that might be what's going on. Yeah. I mean, listen, we'll see, but it's definitely a conflict of interest. You're still married to shit. So I'm, I don't know. But I mean, honestly, all she can do is divorce him. She doesn't have shares in the company anymore. So she would just be his ex-wife who happens to be the daughter of his boss. Right, which is why she's trying to play close to the vest. And she didn't want to break down when she saw him and he hugged her. I mean, it was clear in her physicality that she was hurt, but she didn't lash out at him or anything like that because she's even thinking like okay where do I go next because I'm in right. a fucked up position mm-hmm. my has sold me down the river and I am not happy I want to know what the tipping point was for him was it when they were having sex and she said that I don't like you <laughs> was was that what sold it for him that like like fuck this bitch like I'm, I'm very interested in knowing I feel like it's, it was the title thing. Like, yeah, the I don't love you was like, Ugh. and then the kids thing, they were having that kids conversation and then you could think he was like, mm. but when she said like, he's like, okay, I'm so excited for all of this. Where does that leave me? And she didn't have an answer. He realized he's like, I'm not on her mind. 
when she's thinking of all these moves, I am secondary, if not tertiary, in all of this. And mm-hmm. the agreement wasn't, he'll even bring it up like in, in seasons prior. Like, what about me being at the top? At one point, that was their whole motive. Like, before she mm-hmm. got into the game, it was, let's get Tom to the top. And he loved that idea. And she's abandoned that. And he's like, Mm-mm, but I did it. So you're going to have to get back on that page, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that was the, the tipping point, too, when she couldn't come up with anything for him uh, in that phone call. Like, I, I think he was like, I think he immediately, after talking to his real spouse, Greg, got on the phone with Logan <laughs> and let him know what was going on. <laughs> hundred percent as long as greg's by his side he can handle anything exactly all things are possible through greg wow i think we've talked about a lot i think we've covered so fucking much again the fact that we haven't talked about any side characters at all we haven't really (laughs) even talked about jerry once um we'll get to that at a later date but i'd like to leave us with a little prompt a little question um, if we were giving out an Oscar, an Emmy right now to one for best performance on this show, who would you give it to? Mm. Uh, should we take Brian Cox out of it since he's like the crux of the show anyway? Would it be unfair? I have him. I have him. And then I have a second answer because like it did seem unfair Okay. He's knocking it out of a fucking. I don't think it's unfair. We we can give him his flowers. Yeah, I mean he would be the obvious choice. Uh, my personal choice though would be um. It would be what is his real name? Uh, Matthew McFadden. Uh, Tom. Because that character has been up and down and up and down and up and down through the whole series um i think he has the most layers out of anybody and it can't be easy to play that kind of character with all of those complexities so i would give it to him okay um i personally also was going to say tom terminal tom um (laughs) and in particular i want to reference one thing with him when he mentioned the neuro and sporus um like I don't want to say mythology because it's an actual true story which I didn't know so it prompted me to like go look it up because I was like that sounds like a ridiculous thing like that couldn't have happened in real life um with the whole for those that don't remember it's just emperor um Nero I guess kicked his pregnant well allegedly kicked his pregnant wife killed her gets with this like free man slave boy Sporus castrates him dresses him up as like his previously you know previous wife and basically marries him and basically calls him wife um and he references and tom says like i'm neuro it basically tells greg like you would be spores in this case and then we fast forward to the finale and basically that's what he did he kicked his fucking wife killed her ass and i was dressing greg up to be shit and so I feel like to me, I feel like a character who can, somebody who can play like a character like that 
has to take home, you know, my personal Emmy because I feel like there's just, I don't know. He's, it's, it's such a complex character and you don't root for him in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, I kind of respect his hustle. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking, he is uh, the boy who came up on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that he doesn't come from privilege, but he doesn't come from the same level of privilege. And mm-hmm. he might be at the top now. Pretty much. My answer, like I mentioned before, Brian Cox is my number one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I was kind of playing around with this, like I said, I kind of mentioned, I watched some interviews from all of them and something from my thespian past I like to take, again, I've talked about like physicality throughout this all, but mm-hmm. to me, someone's not fully embodying a character until their body language is even different than their real life. Like anyone can be themselves and then act like another character, but like to even it so much be in your walk in the way you do certain things ticks and stuff like that that to mm-hmm. me is like next level and so I mm-hmm. give it to Kieran Culkin slash Roman because of mm-hmm. the ticks and stuff like that and again the way he carries himself like outside of interviews his real life versus the way he is so awkward and makes his body like tense and weird as mm-hmm. Roman in the weird little like you know he's very fidgety he's not like that in real life that to me is like beyond Mm -hmm. and the way i hate him so viscerally because of that character like i have to give it to him (laughs) that's my answer that's a great nomination Mm -hmm. um which shocked me because when i went into this i didn't think he would be that answer for me but when i was watching interviews i'm like hold up this guy is Mm -hmm. no he's a really good actor because i believe him to be roman yeah. And I'm looking for him to be Roman outside of it, and he's not. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched any interviews or anything with him, so I, I assumed that he was playing himself. Exactly, and then you watch, and it's like, hold on, wait, what? Because um, something that I, because Tom would have been second for me, but something I held against Tom is the way he does his hands sometimes, you know what I mean? Where he'll take both hands out and then, like, wave them and, like, certain things like that. He does that as himself, too. And so, like, a oh, lot okay. of that sometimes, like, when he was talking, I was like, oh, this kind of feels like Tom talking, like, a little bit. Yeah, the accent, but, like, that's kind of Tomish. Something about <laughs> him, like, Greg, cousin Greg does that a lot, too. The way he delivers lines is the way he does in real life, too. And that, yeah. to me, is not enough. So that's uh-huh. why, like, I didn't put Tom on. But, like, yeah, changing accents naturally puts you in another bracket. <laughs> in terms of accents. I just know Tom used to be Mr. Darcy on Pride and Prejudice. So I feel like to go from that kind of role to this one is very interesting to me. But I agree with the <sighs> McCulkin. Yeah, we gave out three Emmys. I'm cool with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> we all got it right. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Charlie. Again, you don't know that you signed up to come back to do a second part, but you did. Oh, I, I mean, it was already on my mind. I was going to find a way to come back anyway. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Perfect. So I can't wait till you come back. Thank you for doing this with us. Oh my gosh, you're not a podcaster anymore, but shout yourself out. <laughs> well, I mean, like I like I mentioned on another podcast, I don't know that I want to like give out a handle or anything, but I wouldn't hold it against you or anyone else if they felt like linking to me on Instagram, even though I'm a, a civilian now. 
(laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being a civilian on our podcast. Thank you for putting on your podcast cap. Sure thing. My pleasure. You know, I love this show and I love the two of you. So anytime you want me, I'm there. Oh, thank you. We love you too. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Gee, I don't even know what's up next. So I can't even tease anything. But I think we've said a lot. So we don't have to say Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right, y'all. Adios.